topic for today is what is soul the term soul has no direct counterpart in uh, sanskrit or uh, in general in vedic philosophy but there are two other terms uh, which are often used uh, uh, and these are jiva and atma jiva means the living and atma means the self and uh, many times these two terms are combined to uh, form the term called jivatma and uh, the closest representation of the, uh, the translation of the word soul is jivatma but uh, the terms jiva and atma are also used as translations of the word soul the use of these two words has some counterparts in uh, in english as well for example uh, there are terms uh, there are two terms uh, called psyche and anima uh, which closely mimic uh, the words atma and jiva psyche means uh, the mind or the perceiver or the sometimes the self which is uh, very close to uh, the, the term atma whereas anima means uh, the the animated or the moving or the living uh, in in so uh, psyche is a greek term and anima is a latin term and uh, so when we use these two terms uh, they have a slightly different meaning than soul in that sense uh, Uh, we can combine them and and say that what we mean by jivatma is uh, similar to what we mean by uh, psyche and anima in a combined form so let's begin by talking about atma or the self self has two forms and uh, i'll in this uh, episode i'll just use these two forms as i and i am so when we use the word i we we mean self awareness uh, or the sense in which i exist i know that i exist awareness in in general involves a distinction between a seer and a seen a knower and a known uh, which is to say that i am aware of something that exists uh, other than me but in self awareness these two components basically become the same entity and uh, therefore the knower is also the known the seer is also the seen and uh, this as we have discussed in in a in an earlier episode this constitutes the 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 chit component of uh, our experience or the cognitive component where i am the knower and i am also the known but to know the self there has to be a connection between the knower and the known and uh, that connection is what we generally call consciousness so consciousness is uh, the connection between the knower and the known but when the knower and the known become the same entity then we call that self awareness or self consciousness 
Now, why should we aware we be aware of the self? Uh, there has to be a purpose, there has to be a reason, there has to be a goal, uh, there has to be a desire and that third component of desiring the self, no, you know, uh, wanting the self or intending the self is called the Ananda component. So these three components uh, in which there is a distinction between, there is a cognitive uh, aspect of the knower and the known, then there's a connection between the knower and the known. And uh, this connection is established due to a purpose, a reason. Uh, these three components constitute what we call I. Now, in Buddhist philosophy, uh, this I is supposed to be self-contradictory. And the reason for that is, you know, how can the same thing be the knower and the known. And an example is given uh, uh, that let's suppose <clears throat> you form a set uh, of friends and non-friends. So you can say there's a, there's a set of people to whom I am friendly and there's a set of people to whom I am not friendly or I am inimical to. And uh, if you say that then then you then then you ask the question uh, whether i am in this set of friends or am i in the set of non friends and because friends and non friends are mutually opposites so and, and according to logic if something is not x then it must be x and vice versa so uh, if I am if I am a friend, then I would be a non-friend. If I am a non-friend, then I would be a friend. And the Buddhist answer is that, uh, see, I cannot be my friend because uh, then you know friends are always different from me. So how can I be a friend? And similarly, I cannot be a non-friend because uh, I cannot be inimical to myself, or I cannot be opposed or averse to myself. So the idea of I is opposed to both friends and non-friends and therefore it's a logically contradictory idea. And this logical contradiction is resolved when, uh, when, when we talk about... Uh, and so basically this logical contradiction involves a distinction between the knower and the known. And uh, something establishes the connection between the knower and the known. And there's a purpose, a reason behind it. Now it's very hard to decouple these three uh, aspects of I, uh, you know, to, to understand uh, this, this contradiction. So uh, we can also understand how these three aspects exist, not in I, but in I am, which is when the knower and the known are actually different entities. So, for example, uh, we can say that, uh, or I can say that, I am a man, I am an Indian, someone can say I am American, I am white, I am black, I am old, I am young, uh, etc. So, there are many ways in which we can say I am, uh, black or white, young or old, man or woman, uh, uh, you know, and, and so on. So that's one type of 
I am. And similarly, there are other types of I am. The, the second type of I am can be that I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm a son, I'm an employee, I'm a citizen, uh, I'm a brother, I'm, uh, you know, and, and so on. So these are all the designations or roles of people in society. So we can identify I am with one of these roles. Similarly, there's a third type of I am, which is I am angry, uh, I am envious, I am happy, uh, and, and so on. Or, so these three kinds of I am uh, help us to understand what I is when the am doesn't exist in the, in the sense that I am not identifying with, uh, let's say, a body, a shape and size, race, color, role in society, feeling, and, and so on. So the three forms of I am get combined in a way in I that we are not able to distinguish them. That's why I become so hard uh, uh, to understand. So... <clears throat> To understand Atma or the Self, we have to understand the different ways in which we can speak of I am and then uh, how these three aspects uh, of I am or three types of I am exist in the sense of I. So this is the first uh, notion of uh, soul which is called Atma and we can also call it Psyche, Psyche in, in the sense of mind or self-awareness or somebody who, who who's also a, a knower and a known. Now before we start understanding what we mean by jiva or the anima or the living, uh, we have to understand that these three aspects of I uh, are often contradictory and conflicting. They are not always conflicting and contradictory, but they are they're often. So, for example, uh, you might have a desire, uh, but your role might not, role in society might not permit it. You might have gone shopping and looking for a green apple, but all that you can find is red apples. Right? So your cognition and uh, your, uh, what you're seeing is contradictory to what you desire. Similarly, you might want to eat something and, but you were probably sick or you don't have taste or, uh, and, and so on. So there are many, many ways uh, and in, in which these contradictions arise. And most often what happens is that we, we have some desires and uh, we are not full, able to fulfill those desires. That's the most common form of contradiction in the sense that uh, uh, people become unhappy and which is uh, you know, understood as suffering and suffering is the central problem uh, to be solved at least at a preliminary level in all religious philosophies. So the question arises, how does suffering you know, emerge or how, what is the source of suffering? And uh, the basic mechanism of suffering is, is that 
the cognitive capacity, the emotive capacity and the relational capacity. Uh, these three capacities become contradictory. Uh, not as capacities because the capacity might still exist but as uh, when, so not in terms of I but in terms of I am, right? So you might want to be in a socially important role but you're not getting the opportunity to get that role. Or you might want to do certain things, but you might want to be a musician, for example, but you don't have the abilities to be a musician. And uh, on the other hand, you might not want to be in certain situations, certain roles, uh, and being subjected to certain experiences, but you're forced to do that. So that's the contradiction. So these three aspects of I am, uh, which is, uh, we can call the cognitive capacity, the emotive capacity and the relational capacity, these three aspects become contradictory, uh, in at least in, in this world. <clears throat> now, there are many domains of existence in Vedic philosophy. So I just want to dwell slightly deeper into this, this point and explain whether this uh, what is the nature, I mean, what are the different ways in which we understand uh, these contradictions? So, the first domain of existence is the material world. And in this world, uh, contradictions are the norm rather than the exception. And uh, so, very, very rarely would you see this situation where uh, what you want, what you desire and what your opportunities or, or you know, circumstances are giving you are exactly identical, right? So most of the time what happens is you have some desire, it's partially fulfilled by the circumstances and uh, uh, you have partial capacity to utilize those circumstances. Most of the time what happens is either I'm into circumstances which uh, are against my desire or even if I'm into circumstances that I desire, I don't have the full ability to do that uh, or to use the circumstances. So there is a slight contradiction uh, always in this world. Very, very rarely you will get a situation which in which all these three uh, capacities are compatible. And that contradiction basically forces a compromise. Now, the nature of the compromise is, let's say, you desire something, but you do not have the opportunity to obtain that. So, <clears throat> what you would do is, for the time being, you'll compromise your desire. Similarly, you might, uh, you know, have a circumstance, but you don't have the ability to uh, deal with the circumstance. So, you just deal it deal with the situation as best as you can. So in that sense, you, you know, compromise again with your ability. The ideal situation would be to say that, let me change the circumstance and be in a situation which is exactly compatible to my desire and to my ability, but you can't always do that. So in those situations, your, you know, your desires and your abilities get compromised against a situation. Similarly, you might say that I don't have these abilities today, but let me acquire these abilities using the present circumstances. 
So then you develop those abilities and say, let me build an ability that can deal with the circumstances in the sense that I can control my situation or I can enter a situation which I can control. Um, similarly, you can say that I don't like certain things today, but I can develop an appetite or a liking for certain things. So let me develop my liking. So in, in, in all these ways, there is constant compromise and tussle going on between uh, these three aspects of the I am. And uh, therefore, sometimes uh, you dominantly identify with yourself as I am a certain race, color, age, and so on. And sometimes you say, I am in this situation, therefore I have to act according to the situation. And then sometimes you say, I want to be in some other situation, therefore let me use this situation to uh, you know, get into the next situation or obtain what I you know, want to get. So this pattern of uh, uh, change is called dominant and subordinate or I you know I use the term dominant and subordinate but uh, this this term comes uh, from the three modes of nature uh, which is called also called prakriti in which there are three modes called sattva, rajas and tamas and sometimes sattva is dominant sometimes rajas is dominant sometimes tamas is dominant and one of when one of them goes dominant between the other two also there is one dominant and the other one the subordinate. So the same dynamic holds uh, uh, between the three aspects uh, of the I am or the soul. And uh, sometimes uh, we are driven by our emotions. Uh, sometimes we are driven by what we see as reality. And sometimes we are driven by our sense of duty, responsibility in the current situation. But because these three things are always uh, in a... A conflicting situation or most of the time in a conflicting situation therefore the material world is said to be you know a very difficult place to live in so the first answer to this difficulty or problem is the state called brahman now in this brahman the distinction between uh, these three things which we call you know cognition emotion relation these these three aspects is dissolved in this and that dissolution comes with the dissolution of I am. So you no longer say that I am this body, I am not black, not white, not man, nor woman, nor young, nor old, etc. I am not happy, I am not sad, I am not jealous, uh, I am not father, I am not mother, I am not employee, I am not a citizen, etc. So all the I am is destroyed. And then what remains is the I. And that I is the combination of these you know, three aspects, but only in relationship to the self. So you can still say that I am aware of myself. And uh, I am the knower, I am the known, I have a relation to myself and I have a desire for myself. So the desire for myself directs my consciousness inward towards myself and in that driving, I become the knower and the known. So these three aspects getting combined uh, uh, into this I uh, constitutes the state called Brahman. In that state, there is no I am. So there is no 
world. There is no identification. There is no relationship to anybody else. There is only a sense of I. Uh, beyond the state of Brahman is a state called Vaikuntha. In this Vaikuntha, this contradiction uh, between the three aspects is also not existing. But in addition to I, there is an I am. So you can, so the, the soul exists in, in a spiritual world along with uh, different forms of Lord Vishnu and uh, we can just say God and uh, in, in these forms uh, uh, there is an I am which means to say there is a person can say you know I have this form, I have this thought, I have you know all these things and I am in a certain role and situation and uh, I have certain feelings. So all the experiences exist. But the kuntha doesn't exist. And kuntha is this conflict and contradiction. So why kuntha means the freedom from uh, conflict and contradiction. Uh, so the reconciliation of these three aspects without dissolving these three aspects is why kuntha. So, in the material world, you have all these contradictions uh, between these three aspects of the soul. And then in Brahman, you dissolve I am and therefore you dissolve these conflicts. And you just I exist, but there is no I am. And in Vaikuntha, uh, there is I, but it's you know, I am is uh, the I am identity returns, but there is no conflict and contradiction. And then there is uh, a realm of existence which is called Goloka which is even beyond uh, Vaikuntha in which uh, the conflict between uh, my emotion, my relation, my cognition is dissolved. But a new type of conflict is created which is within my cognitive, my cognition, my relation and uh, uh, my emotion. So a good example of, of that and uh, this is something we'll probably discuss in uh, in, a, in a subsequent podcast. Is uh, all the relationships in the in the guloka realm are parakya. Uh, parakya means it is mine and it is yet not mine. And uh, so, for example, uh, Krishna has uh, father, mother, brother, sister, and all these relations and friends, but they're all like. His father is a stepfather. His mother is a stepmother. His brother is a stepbrother. His sister is a stepsister. And uh, his lovers are all, you know, not his wives or not his own. So this is the principle in the sense that something is mine. So I can say I am, you know, their brother. And I am, uh, you know, uh, brother of, of the sister. So there is a brother and a sister. And I am a son. I am and so on but everything is like really not really mine so there is I am and yet I am not uh, this so this step relationship is is what you can call the contradiction inside the relationship inside the emotion inside the uh, cognition and uh, there is there's an extensive philosophy about uh, we'll probably go into that sometime uh, uh, you know, in, in subsequent episodes, but 
these are the four levels of existence of the soul and uh, to understand to to understand the soul we must understand all these four levels of existence and any philosophy of soul uh, should be considered complete when all these uh, things are understood so again to recapitulate in the material world these three aspects are contradictory in brahman we dissolve the difference between these three aspects and there is no i am there is only i in vaikuntha the i am returns and the contradiction disappears and uh, again in goloka uh, the contradiction between these three aspects doesn't exist but a new kind of contradiction within these three aspects is created so in in that sense the contradictions are uh, there is the contradictions are celebrated in in a spiritual sense and the contradictions are condemned in a material sense and both condemnation and celebration pertain to two different uh, senses in which the contradictions uh, exist now when we understand that uh, there are contradictions in in experience if there is experience and sometimes the contradiction is resolved and sometimes you know it's 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 exaggerated so when when even when the contradiction doesn't exist uh, there is and that contradiction is resolved because the knower and the known are the same or my capacities and my circumstances and my desires are identical so if there is a desire the soul is automatically transported into a situation uh, which is compatible with that desire and his body changes or his capacity of cognition changes to meet or fulfill that desire so there is no situation in which you are ever frustrated so that's so the choices of of combining these things uh which is cognition with emotion with the relation this choice is essentially uh constitutes what we call jiva or anima or the living now we always try to do the best we can you know uh, given whatever we you know the experience the jiva is afforded which means to say that uh, if you are in a bad situation bad circumstance you'll try to get out into a situation which you are able to handle better but if you can't then you'll try to find the best way to handle that situation so <clears throat> whether these three aspects are going dominant and subordinate or whether one aspect is able to select and choose the other aspects or one of these three aspects becomes dominant and the other ones are subordinated all these different forms or you just uh, select yourself and say that i'm not going to bother about i am i just satisfied with i all these constitute different classes of choices so in this material world our choice is how to compromise the best uh in brahman the choice is i 
exist and I am only going to choose myself. I don't want to choose anything else. In Vaikuntha, the, the choice is, you know, based on my desire, what's the most appropriate situation and uh, what's the most appropriate capability. So you can choose uh, the best type of experience that you want to live. And in Goloka, there is always a conflict. So you can say sometimes something is mine, sometimes it is not mine. So because of these contradictions, sometimes the mindness or the association with that uh, identity is dominant and sometimes the non-association with that entity is dominant. Right. So because of the sense of mind, there is some boldness in the relationship. This is mine. I am entitled. I am. Uh, this is my friend or my lover or my relationship, my father. And so there is sense of uh, this mindness, and then there is also the sense of non-mindness, which is um, you know they are really not mine. So there is some shyness in the relationship. So sometimes this boldness dominates, and sometimes the shyness dominates, and this is the tussle between in in everything. Uh, so, which one dominates also becomes a choice, right? So, what we mean by living or jiva is this choice, which is different from I. And uh, the I is, is, is living, but the living, the notion of living is choosing. And uh, the notion of choosing comes from the fact that there is uh, there is there are lots of possibilities to choose from and then because you choose one of these possibilities uh, that choice and the best choice that uh, you can make or you want to make in that situation is becomes uh, the essence of choice so in the material world choice mostly means compromise uh, you are not getting exactly what you want but you might be getting close to in the best case scenario you might be getting close and you tend to remain happy uh, but most of the time and depends on different people have different experiences with their life and some people have more conflicts and uh, you know in their life and some people have lesser conflicts and uh, so according to that they make the best choices and the basic structure of choice changes. In, in this world, it's how to resolve my contradictions and conflicts. And in Brahman, the structure of choice is I have no conflict, no contradiction because it's just me. I select myself and I reject everybody else or everything else. <clears throat> and in Vaikuntha, the, the choice is what is the thing that I want, which situation which I want to be. And there is... Uh, and I'll resolve the con material conflict in the sense my my emotion, my relation, my cognition, this is not contradictory. And there is no inner contradiction within emotion, right? So there is uh, there's a clarity of, uh, uh, you know, emotional relationships. For example, you can say I am a servant of the Lord. There is no doubt uh, in that. But... Uh, uh, in, 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 in Goloka, all the other relationships exist in which there are a lot of, you know, doubts. For example, we talked about this Parakiya relationship. So, you know, Krishna has girlfriends, but he is not married to them. And sometimes they are married to other men. 
So there is this contradiction. She is mine, she is not mine. He is mine, he is not mine. And uh, depending on the context, this, this keeps cycling. Similarly, Krishna has a stepfather, a stepmother, stepbrother, stepsister. And uh, there is always a conflict. She is mine, she is not you know, mine. He is mine, you know, he is not mine. So the nature of choice changes uh, in, in all these uh, four domains. And uh, therefore what we mean by jiva is uh, this, uh, the, the living entity. And by living essentially we mean choosing. Therefore, once we, we understand the meaning of jiva and atma, uh, then we can understand what we mean by the soul. Uh, there is a self, but the self is not always consistent or compatible with itself. And uh, especially in the material world, there is always conflicts and contradictions. And to resolve these conflicts and contradictions, there is choice, which essentially it becomes uh, the essence of compromises. So in this world, choosing means compromising. What types of compromise uh, you want, you consider the best type of compromise. And this principle of compromising becomes the basis of what we call yagna or sacrifice which means you hold something to be more important and uh, to keep that importance you sacrifice something else or you compromise something else. So typically, uh, we have to compromise our happiness in this world to get some happiness. So the compromise is that right now I will sacrifice my happiness so that in the future I can you know, obtain more happiness. And uh, this principle of compromise is then described as the tripartite structure of yajna, which is called Soma, Agni and Vayu. Uh, Soma means uh, that which is uh, being compromised. And Agni means that which is, you know, for which we compromise. And Vayu is the process by which we, you know, uh, compromise, you know, for a certain reason. So, uh, this structure of yagna is, is presented as, you know, offering into the fire. And uh, while offering, there is, you know, uh, there, is a, there is an action, right? So, for example, if you throw rice into fire, then fire is the principle uh, for which you are compromising and rice is the thing that you are compromising. And then Agni is the throwing of, uh, so Vayu is the throwing of the rice into the fire. So, sacrifice, yagna, uh, is the essence of uh, this material world. So, we have to make a compromise. And this compromise, of course, ceases in the spiritual world. You don't have to, at least in, in Vaikuntha, there is no compromise. At least it's not driven by this conflict between... Uh, these three aspects. So, <clears throat> soul also is in a sense the yagna. 
and uh, therefore by performing this yagna by performing these sacrifices essentially what we are learning is that uh, the structure of or the nature of this world is 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 compromises and we can make better compromises or good compromises and bad compromises a good compromise is something that leads to eternal happiness and a bad compromise is something that leads to temporary happiness and uh, most people tend to make bad compromises uh, they just choose short term happiness you know over long term happiness and uh, that you know b- type of bad compromise essentially comes from the idea that uh, i am this body i am in this situation eternally and uh, therefore i will just do what is good for me in the short run so spiritual life means realizing that the soul is eternal which means the atma is eternal and when the atma is eternal then uh, it should seek a permanent solution to the problems of life rather than temporary solutions and once once this atma is realized to be eternal then the jiva or the choices that we make the life that we live becomes adapted or is, is altered to long term compromise or, or you know sacrificing in the short term so that we get long term happiness and uh, this process of sacrificing the short term happiness or pleasure for the long term happiness uh, becomes uh, uh, the essence of yagna or religion <clears throat> so these two aspects are uh, you know the the atma and and, and the jiva they are uh, or by, by which we can call the the, the jiva atma uh, they this this principle of jiva atma is universal in vedic philosophy right so uh, god is a soul uh, and uh, you know material energy is a soul individual entities like us we are souls so everything is a soul and uh, <clears throat> and and the soul uh, in terms of atma we can say that uh, uh, it's uh, uh, it is these three aspects and then it has certain energy or or the capacity to make choices which is to say that what should i compromise and for what should i compromise so this process of life essentially uh, defines what we mean by yagna or sacrifice or life itself and uh, that process of sacrifice and uh, in this world of course compromise uh, that, that is the essence of being the soul so this process of uh, jiva or living or choosing takes on many forms and uh, these forms are called prana and uh, there are different types of choices or different uh, classes of choices uh, one example of choice is that uh, you are aspirational to develop uh, a new kind of 
you know ability or you want to be in a different role or situation or you want to feel and have different kinds of you know happiness right so that process is called uh, uh, prana and then there is a process where i want to exit out of my current situation i don't want to feel the same things that i'm feeling or i don't want to be in this uh, you know current type of ability body and you know material acquisitions or material state and things like that so exiting going wanting to go to something better is prana and wanting to exit the current situation is is apana then sometimes you don't want to get out of this situation and you don't want to go to another situation uh, you want to readjust uh, within this situation uh, which is to say uh, so that process is is called vayana and then sometimes you try to exist in this situation but you are not able to perfectly adapt but you don't want to leave and you have nothing else that you are aspiring for so you make some adjustments compromises uh, or adaptations in in the current situation and that is called samana and uh, sometimes you say okay i don't want to compromise i am not able to you know adapt into the situation but i don't want to go anywhere else and uh, you know i have not, no other aspirations so in that i will change the circumstances within you know w- within where i am uh, so so that is 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 called udana so there are and this is these five classes are not the only classes there are many other uh, divisions and subdivisions uh, of how choices operate so that classes of choices this Uh, the study of the different classes of choices is the study of uh, living uh, and uh, that is the study of prana so uh, ideally all the kinds of choices are accessible to the soul but sometimes some of them are uh, constrained and you know some of them are accessible so uh, sometimes you might want to leave a situation but you just can't leave right so in that case your apana is uh, you know constrained uh, sometimes you are forced to leave a situation but you don't know where to go to uh, what's the next uh, state of being your you know situation you want to be in and that time your prana is uh, is constrained so your life is pushing you out of this current situation but i really don't know what i want to get into and that confusion is the constraining of uh, prana and sometimes i don't want to go anywhere i am not being pushed out of it but i am still not able to adapt and you know adjust in this situation i don't know what to prioritize when and i am not able to even do a compromise in that case either your vayana or your samana uh, is constrained and then sometimes you might want to change without you know going out of this Uh, situation but you're not able to change things and then in that case your uh, udana is is constrained so in in many ways material existence even though we have many kinds of choices these things are constrained and because our choices are constrained so uh, you know people say sometimes say that we don't have free will or we don't have choice and what they are really talking about is that and forced by circumstances many times are not able to do certain things 
but the choice actually never disappears because the death of choice would be the death of life so there is absolutely nothing called uh, i mean uh, material uh, existence which is determined predetermined there is always choice and uh, the choice is because it is being forced by something else like uh, if you are you know uh, given tasty food but you are sick uh, so you can say i really have no choice i can't eat it or sometimes you're given one type of food but you really desire something else so you don't eat as much and you say i really don't have choice so people can say that i don't have a choice because they're being forced to compromise and uh, because everything in this world by and large is, is compromises therefore you can say that i am really not having a choice but we actually have uh, the choices in in many forms so for example if you are in a in a bad situation somebody may tell you you have the choice to leave and then you might say that <clears throat> but i don't want to leave and that is essentially your choice you wanting to stay in that or you might say i don't have a choice because i have nothing else to go to then somebody can say that well find out where you want to go to and you might say i really don't want to do that and that is your choice so choices always exist and uh, it's up to us or or you know the the process of life is is basically you choosing uh, what type of choices you want to make so uh, choosing the the type of choice itself is becomes a, a form of choice so for example if you have these five types of prana one of the prana five you know is is always dominant so sometimes you are unhappy you say i just want to run away from this situation and that is the choice and sometimes you'll say no i want to stay in the situation but i want to change the situation and sometimes you might say i'm not able to change it so i want to adapt to the situation and so on so uh this this just like there is you know dominant subordinate structure between satchit and anand similarly there is a dominant subordinate structure in uh the five kinds of prana and uh, uh, so so that uh, dominant subordinate structure essentially is what we call choice and that choice determines what we prioritize for example uh, uh sat chit or anand and so both of these aspects which we can call atma and jiva they are uh this is the this is you can say double clicking inside the atma and and seeing uh, you know there are three aspects which are conflicting and then there are different kinds of uh, compromises by which we resolve this conflict and uh, that process of you know the the aspects of uh, of the soul and the different ways we compromise that essentially uh, becomes a definition of jivatma now whenever we make a compromise and adjustment uh you know we are not really satisfied with that compromise and uh, therefore one of the basic 
injunctions about these compromises that we should balance them. So sometimes you are giving priority to your feelings and you're saying that I'm going to do what makes me feel happy and or makes me less sad or makes me less angry and uh, you know I might not do my duties if I'm upset or I might overdo my duties if I'm you know excited about it sometimes I might say that I will leave this relationship uh, and uh, you know sometimes I might say I want to enter that relationship and sometimes you, you might say that we'll compromise in this relationship so none of these situations because of the uh, nature of conflicts is is completely satisfying to the soul so how do you live in this world and the general principle is that you balance all these things right so the idea of balance uh, comes from this notion that none of these situations are perfect and i am being forced to compromise something in you know in each situation but we can try to balance these compromises so sometimes one aspect is dominant and the other one is subordinate then you flip it you have the other aspect become dominant and you know which was previously dominant now become subordinate and by flipping all these choices uh, we construct this circle of life in the sense that uh, you know you, you have three things and you know one of them dominates then it becomes second in order then it becomes third in order something else becomes second then it becomes first so by cycling through these alternatives we create these uh, uh, you know cycles in, in life and <clears throat> in in these cycles essentially what we are trying to aspire for is a balance so you get up in the morning and you do certain things and you know, at that time it is said that mode of sattva guna dominates in the morning then in the afternoon the mode of uh, rajaguna dominates in the night uh, the mode of tamaguna dominates so what we are doing essentially through the day is allowing these three modes to become dominant and subordinate so and and time is is constructed cyclically to allow these modes to become dominant and subordinate so for example in in the early uh, very early morning like uh, 4 o'clock sattva guna is completely dominant but as time progresses rajaguna becomes you know slightly more dominant and that takes you to the situation of you know late mornings or afternoons Uh, where rajaguna is more and more dominant and then satvaguna becomes uh, you know subordinate and then you come to the night uh, from the evening onwards tamaguna starts becoming more dominant and in the evening and night then uh, tamaguna becomes most dominant so balance essentially means don't try to do tamaguna activities in the morning which means sleeping in the morning or don't try to you know you know have sattva guna very dominant during the day you want to do certain activities and perform some actions and uh, don't try to study or work in the night you, that is a time for tamaguna you can sleep and rest uh from a, this is from a material perspective right of course 
one who has transcended these modes is situated in brahman or in a in a state of uh, reconciliation or you know who's become a perfected soul uh, then these restrictions don't apply but as far as the material condition is con- you know concerned we try to create a balance and that balance essentially means give opportunity to all these modes to become dominant because if you do not give opportunity to all these modes to become dominant there is going to be some you know disturbance in your life there will be health problems there will be could be mental problems there could be uh, you know relationship problems there could be other you know all kinds of problems can arise if you don't create that balance so balance between uh, these modes becomes the uh, central theme of living in this world from a material perspective and uh, that balance arises because there is choice something can be dominant and something can be subordinate and that choice is created because there is a conflict and compromise uh, and uh, so from and, and that conflict and compromise arises because there are multiple aspects so because so this is the progression from having multiple aspects then having conflict between these aspects then having different ways of compromising these aspects and then to balance these methods of compromise so you don't consistently compromise one thing over the other uh, you allow each thing to become dominant and then compromise something else so this this cycling of uh, these modes or these aspects of the soul that becomes the central method uh, of uh, living so you will see a lot of people doing yoga and meditation you know these days they talk about balance and you know not doing something excessively not depriving yourself of sleep and working too hard or not sleeping too much uh, you know and not working at all or not having a spiritual dimension so people say we should balance the body mind and soul okay um and what that really means is that balance your uh, you know bodily necessities with your mental emotional necessities intellectual necessities with your uh, spiritual goals in life so you don't neglect because uh, unless one has transcended this material existence if you make the compromise you know just go only in the spiritual direction you might have some health problems and when you have health problems then you'll completely stop spirituality and only care for the body or you might try for uh, you know acquisition of knowledge or uh, you know and then sacrifice your health and even spiritual goals and then what will happen after some time is this when the other you know body is uh, you know uh, is, is unhealthy Uh, and you're not pursuing spiritual life then even this mental you know happiness or pursuits they will collapse so balance is a good idea in this world unless and until one has transcended the material existence so the balance between body mind and soul essentially is talking about a similar idea which uh, where you know there are many aspects of our existence and these aspects are often conflicting and uh, because they're conflicting uh, we have to make a compromise 
but when we make a compromise we should not permanently neglect one aspect so we should try to balance these aspects now the idea of balancing is 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 a very heuristic construct in the sense that <clears throat> we can we can call this as a general principle of you know leading life but even when you are balancing you might for example say that oh i am going to work in the night and sleep in the afternoon uh, you know and on and so on so there are many ways you know this balance underdetermines what life should be and uh, therefore there's a right time for everything and that you know right time right place right situation right person for everything and that combination of place time situation person is called dharma and uh, so everybody has duties so beyond this principle general principle of balancing Uh, out the conflicts and contradictions which is a good overall principle to have to understand uh, you know the nature of the soul beyond that we also have to say that there's a right time right place right uh, situation right person to uh, make a compromise and uh, that principle is is called dharma so we have talked about the general idea about yagna which is sacrifice and uh, dharma is also yagna sacrifice but it is contextual so the general process is that you will always have to make some compromise you will always have to make some sacrifices uh, but what's to sacrifice in which situation which time which place and who should make that sacrifice uh, that is dharma so sometimes yagna is understood as a very general principle and the universe is described as a process of this compromise uh, or conflict resolution and uh, sometimes yagna also becomes dharma which is to say that in each place each time each situation by each person a different type of compromise has to be made so each person therefore has a different dharma in different time place circumstance and uh, de- deciding what type of compromise uh, you know has to be made uh, did, you know it constitutes the understanding of dharma right of course dharma has to balance out so that's the overarching principle but uh, in each situation there there, ha- there is a unique type of dharma and uh, this means that if we and, and the consequence of not performing dharma is called karma so if we if we make the wrong sort of compromises or we don't make a compromise at all uh, or we compromise too much uh, in in all these situations uh, dharma is violated so for example lord krishna tells arjuna you have you know been compromising too much now is not the time to compromise right when he's standing on on the battlefield and arjuna is prepared to compromise i am not going to fight let them walk over me let them you know i will i will remain uh, without i mean he, he was born a kshatriya so his 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 
his life should be of that of a ruler but he, he is prepared to compromise so krishna tells him not to do that because that's excessive compromise similarly there are you know he he goes and tells duryodhana you have to compromise so sometimes a compromise is necessary sometimes overdoing a compromise is unnecessary and sometimes compromising in the wrong situation is also incorrect so in all these ways <clears throat> whether you're making the wrong compromise or you're overdoing the compromise or you're not compromising enough all these are different forms of uh, violations of dharma so once we understand that uh, there is has to be a balance overall then we understand that in each situation there's a different a requirement for or different type of compromise that has to be made uh, then we can we begin to understand dharma so uh, and and once we begin to understand dharma and we can practice dharma then the soul gets freed from the consequences of the actions now the nature of this world is that we always have to compromise so dharma doesn't mean perfection uh you know for example two principles of dharma are truthfulness and kindness so in sanskrit there is a saying satyam bruyat priyam bruyat you know speak the truth and speak it pleasingly uh and uh, don't speak unpleasant truths and don't speak pleasing lies but the fact is this that you cannot practice this principle because there is a conflict whenever you have to speak the truth sometimes it may be unpleasing now should you prioritize the pleasing principle and you know not say the truth or should you speak the harsh truth that's a compromise so sometimes when you speak the harsh truth people might be offended people might be upset they might say oh you are hurting my feelings but uh, you can say that oh i'm just speaking the truth but if you constantly speak keep speaking the truth and you hurt lot of people's feelings then they might run away and then you won't be able to speak the truth at all so there is a certain amount of situational compromise where you say sometimes i'll speak the truth but i'll try to you know speak it as pleasingly as i can and sometimes i might not speak the truth or uh you know focus more on 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 the pleasing aspect and then speak the truth so this is the nature of dharma it's extremely dynamic uh which situation requires which person uh, in which time in which place to do what and uh, so dharma is not at all easy to understand and people sometimes uh, assume that religion is sort of this universal principle of of course there is a universal principle of transcendence there is universal principle of uh, the lord but uh, that universal principle also has to be applied in different ways by different people in different times places and circumstances so <clears throat> this contextuality of dharma how that principle of pleasing the lord or you know performing a duty or you know maintaining inner balance or getting a balance in life all these things have to change situationally and that situational understanding is 
it, take, it comes with time, it comes with practice, but it's a long uh, drawn process of understanding what is the right thing to do in that situation. And uh, once we understand what is the right thing to do in each situation, then the soul automatically becomes free from karma. So uh, that's why, you know, at least in the process of karma yoga, it is said that uh, do your duty, but don't be enamored or don't be focused on uh, the pursuit of the results. Because uh, sometimes you might get overexcited and say, oh, I'm going to do this a lot. Right? I'm, I'm going to work very, very, very hard so that I can get more and more of my you know, desired results. But that's like, uh, that's basically your, you know, and then eventually you might not get results. So following this period of extreme hyperactivity, there'll be a, you know, period of extreme unhappiness, depression and frustration where you abandon even what you were doing previously. And so if you do, if you, if you have, if you do something excessively and then, you know, you get frustrated and then you drop it completely. And so that's not the, you know, the, uh, the expected uh, behavior. The expected behavior is that do moderately and you may or may not get results. And then you live through that situation and then you could keep on doing this process. And people might say, well, if I am not getting results, why should I work? And, and the answer is that you are a spirit soul and uh, your life or your existence is eternal. The, the essence of life is not to, uh, you know, get, just have these goals and, you know, attain these uh, material goals, but is to learn the art of doing the right thing in every situation, at every time, in every place. So that contextual understanding of uh, dharma is based on this universal principle of the jivatma. So we have to, uh, we can now connect these, uh, in, you know, these, these, these two ideas and, and say that uh, there is a universal understanding of uh, Jivatma, which is to say that there are three aspects, there are conflicts between these three aspects and uh, therefore we have to make a compromise, this compromise has to be balanced and this balanced has to be contextual. And uh, when this balance is contextual, then everybody has different uh, dharma in, in a different situation, time, place, circumstance. <clears throat> so from the universal principle of the Jivatma, we slowly and gradually come to this contextual understanding of what we mean by dharma. And this dharma essentially is loosely translated sometimes as religion. But uh, dharma is duty. And uh, the nature of the soul uh, is, is, is the uh, jiva and atma, the self uh, and the living and, and the process of living is, is choosing. But since the choices are contextual and you know, different in each situation, therefore for everybody, you can say there's a different dharma. So according to uh, a certain person's proclivities, uh, somebody has 
greater interest in you know they can perform more bodily activities somebody can do uh, more creative work somebody can do more intellectual work uh, somebody can lead and manage and you know things like that so according to these proclivities it is easier for you to make certain compromises and not easier for you to make you know certain other compromises so for example somebody who's an intellectual you cannot ask them to run around and say that oh that's a compromise for you because that would that's contrary to their nature and uh, so dharma also comes down to what is our nature and this nature is material nature uh, it it's basically material nature means my type of my body and uh, to some extent it also means uh, the type of uh, you know things i like and dislike uh, so we'll discuss this in a subsequent episode what is prakriti and what are the gunas and uh, and and how uh, once nature is constructed but the basic idea is that people have different natures they have different types of bodies types of minds intellects and uh, accordingly there are certain things that come easily to them that means to say that the compromises uh, are easier so the types of compromises they are advised to make are the ones that are easier for them because if you give somebody a very difficult compromise uh, you know somebody is you know not philosophically you know inclined and then you give them uh, deep philosophical points which involve a lot of hair splitting uh, linguistic analysis conceptual analysis or you know so it's going to be very difficult for them so asking them to make that compromise is not effectively going to work because they might even if they make some compromise for some time you know uh, they might not be able to do that for a long period of time therefore a different process is prescribed they said okay don't worry about philosophy uh, you know just do these things and because you're physically more attuned to certain things then you can perform those things <clears throat> so there's a there's a process of gyana yoga which is philosophical understanding there's a process of karma yoga which is doing your day to day duty in a detached manner then there's a process of uh, ashtanga yoga which is meditation there's a process of bhakti yoga which can be applied in all these situations so you can um, uh, acquire knowledge with devotion you can apply you can perform meditation with devotion and you can do your day to day activities with devotion so and in this way there are yeah, this practically unlimited spiritual processes but all these spiritual processes are some combination of these four systems the the gyana yoga karma yoga uh, dhyana yoga and bhakti yoga and uh, within these processes also sometimes you know one of these yoga processes or one of the yoga practices is given more importance and uh, some of them are given less importance so for example you know just to be just to practice devotion or bhakti yoga you it cannot be fatalistic or you know fanatic understanding of religion it has to be based on a proper philosophical understanding so philosophy is a essential part of that otherwise if you don't have this philosophical understanding then you will yourself make the wrong compromises the wrong choices 
you will not be able to attain the balance and you will certainly not know what is the right dharma in which situation so philosophy is essential but if you simply got philosophy and you actually don't put it in practice then that's useless so there is has to be a process of uh, karma yoga but if you have philosophy and you apply it in daily life but uh, you have no mystical experience then you will lose faith in the philosophy and uh, then you will stop doing even the day to day activities so therefore uh, even mystical experience is important and that's what uh, we called stanga yoga or uh, you know meditation so you need philosophy you need practical application and you need mystical experience and uh, when all these three things are uh, are, are present Uh, that's when uh, the process of dharma and the process of or bhakti becomes you know strengthened therefore we have to understand that these hard and fast distinctions that people make between karma and jnana and dhyana and bhakti these are really artificial uh, you know distinctions it's it's basically a lack of understanding of what is the nature of the soul how the soul exists in 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 this is world as as conflict and compromise how it must attain balance and therefore there is a different dharma in uh, in different situation time and place by a different person and therefore all these principles have to be used and applied sometime or the other some people might do more karma and less jnana some people might do more meditation and less yeah philosophy some people might do more activity than meditation and uh, but it depends on the individual person so there is no universal prescription uh, uh for what one has to do uh to an extent one can see guidance based on their nature and uh, uh, from a spiritual master or guru but eventually one has to understand this mechanics of how what what the soul is how all these things work and acquire once you acquire a deep understanding and then you practically apply it and then you have you know mystical experiences that's when you know how to practice dharma and this practice of dharma which is day to day Uh, you know life uh, compromise or the process of living itself yeah. Yeah, this this is based on what we call sanatan dharma sanatan dharma is the eternal uh, duty so what is the difference between eternal and uh, this contextual and temporary uh, there is i mean we, we we talked about some differences in the sense that this compromises don't exist in vaikuntha and a new type of conflict is created Uh, in in higher spiritual realms and in brahman this i am itself disappears and there is only i uh, so in that sense there is some sanatan uh, or eternal way of living it can be without uh, an identity it can be a reconciled identity it can be a conflicted identity which is different from this material conflict and uh, that's the sanatan dharma Uh, but it's also based on the understanding of the soul and there is uh, this material dharma which is based on the understanding of the soul 
but how it exists in this world based on a material nature uh, which is called guna and uh, consequences of our previous actions which is called uh, karma. So we'll delve into some of these uh, details in further episodes but the basic point is that the understanding of dharma is not easy and uh, to begin understanding dharma we have to begin understanding the soul. And uh, once we understand the soul and this entire philosophy about how choices are made, then, then we can come to the conclusion that every situation requires a different understanding. And, uh, you know, so it's not merely book following or scripture following or he said, she said, or this is the thing that is said in this scripture and that is the thing that is said in that scripture and then arguing and fighting about which one is correct. It's an individual judgment and it's an individual responsibility. Everybody has to understand what is their dharma. They can, of course, seek guidance uh, and uh, help from other people. But everybody makes their choices and everybody is responsible for their choices. So having a spiritual master, guru or somebody is giving an advice or following some religion or reading some book and text and saying or quoting some acharya or, or somebody. Uh, these are not substitutes for responsibility. You cannot, we cannot offload uh, our responsibility to some book or some person or even the word of God. We cannot say Krishna said this in the Bhagavad Gita so that is universally applicable. It may be and uh, but many times it might not be. So the soul never gives up its choice and therefore it never gives up its responsibility, accountability, right? So as far as we have choice, we are also responsible and that is the risk and danger of life. So it's an exciting process that you can choose everything. It's a slightly unhappy process because in this world you have to make compromises, but that compromise has to be a responsible compromise. So you are responsible for the choices you make. And that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that responsible choice is called uh, dharma. So <clears throat> our capacity to make uh, choices is jiva. And uh, because this choice always comes with a responsibility, therefore uh, there is dharma. So we cannot actually detach, detach the Atma from the Jiva, from the Dharma. They are all interconnected ideas. And if we sort of say that, oh, I just have choice, then there is no sense of responsibility. And once there is no sense of responsibility, then uh, this idea of choice slowly disappears because if we don't behave responsibly, then nature will bind us in a way that people seem to have absolutely no choices. And once we lose our sense of choice, then we can say that, oh, I really don't have any, you know, control over my life. So, and, and, and therefore, you know, soul is, you know, it's not an eternal thing, it's just the body. So, when dharma is neglected, then choices are gone. When choices are gone, the soul is gone. And the understanding of the soul is gone. Therefore, Philosophically, we begin by Atma and then describe Jiva and then describe Dharma. But to realize this whole thing, we have to begin with Dharma, uh, start practicing, you know, uh, 
at least by balancing many aspects uh, which is body mind soul and, and so on and uh, then uh, once we make start practicing dharma then we understand what is jiva jiva is the process of uh, you know choice making and then once we we say that i am eternally able to make choices then my we can say that my uh satchit and anand my cognitive capacity my emotional capacity my relational capacity all these are also eternal so then i and come to the understanding of the soul so there is a forward philosophical process from the soul uh, from the atma to the jiva to dharma but there is reverse process also from dharma to uh, jiva to atma to understand atma uh, we have to practice dharma because by practicing dharma then we are doing the right exer- choice exercising the choice in the right way and then as we exercise choices in the right way we get more freedom we get more opportunity to exercise choice and as we perfect these choices then we understand the soul is eternal so people sometimes say that can you prove to me the soul exists uh, can you show me the soul the answer is you cannot see unless you practice dharma if you want to see the practice if you want to understand how you are eternal first practice dharma then you will get freedom then you will understand i am able to exercise choices and then you will understand this exercising choice is eternal right so uh, unless and until people practice dharma it is impossible to understand uh, uh, the, the soul therefore the prescription of the scripture is they they give you all philosophy they'll give you all uh, uh, descriptions but the essence of the soul is there is uh, there is choice and because there is choice there is responsibility if you don't act uh, responsibly then the choices start shrinking when they start shrinking then we think we have no choice and if we have no choice then we are not you know, the soul doesn't exist so practical realization of the soul means following dharma